Amen. Praise God. Okay, good evening, everyone. Once again, welcome to Tribe this evening. Uh, I want to say welcome to you if you are here for the first time. Um, we pray that God will bless you today. I'm not the pastor. The pastor of our church is Pastor Olufemi Mune. He's on a break, and I'm standing in just for tonight. I want to say welcome to our online community. We know you are there, faithful. We pray that um, God will reach out to you as he's reaching out to us this evening in Jesus' name. Okay, this is um, Tribes, an interactive session, and we should all have an outline. If you do not have one, you can signify by waving your hands, and one of the ushers will be happy to hand one to you. Okay? Okay, so this evening, um, we're going to be uh, we're in part nine already of our wisdom journey, our quest for increased wisdom, and we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 11. But before we read the chapter like we usually do, we want to open up with a question, sort of the, the icebreaker. So there's a question there that says, what is the most honest experience you have experienced, uh, witnessed and what can, we, what can you or we learn from it? What is the most honest experience it could be your own experience it could be someone else's experience that's okay there's a hand over there thank you any other hands let's just put up the hand so we know how many people there's one hand over there anyone else so we um do this in an orderly manner okay let's take yours good evening church good evening okay i remembered um some time ago i went to the market i wanted to purchase a bag and so I didn't have enough money, but I had like 1,000 in my account to complete it. So this woman has been collecting transfers. She would just say, go and transfer outside because there's no network in our shop. So customers would go outside and transfer and come and show her. So she told me to go and transfer the 1,000, then come and give her 11,000. The bag was for 12,000. So I went out to transfer the 1,000. When I came back, she was like, okay, it's fine. Take your bag and go. I was like, no, ma, I've not finished paying. I only transferred one. She was not like, my dear, God bless you. Blah, 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 blah. And when I left, I felt like, whoo, that was a test. Thank God I passed it. So I just thank God. Thank you very much. Let's, let's clap. That's, that's a very, I mean, that's honest. Thank you very much. Anyone else wants to share their experience with um, integrity, someone? Maybe you even failed. Come on. We can be vulnerable with each other, right? Uh, okay, there's a hand over there. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Good evening. <laughs> okay. Okay, my one of you know one particular one that I remember now is um I have this person that works with me and for some reason I try I, I don't really see him a lot. But for some reason I was trying to pay someone and I transferred the money to him. And because I don't see him a lot, I was like, wow, this, this one has, is this one uh, one chance, you know? But surprisingly, I called him. I told him about the fact that, you know, he'd been paid money that wasn't meant for him. And before I knew it, you know, I told him where I was. And he came to meet me. He drove all the way to bring back the money, you know? 
I was amazed because I, you know, I've heard of incidences where you pay someone like that, and you know, the, the story is, you know, the person will tell you, they tell you that before you know it is a bad debt, you know. So that was, you know, very, very, very impressive for me, considering the fact that this is someone that had to go out of his way to bring back the money to me. He drove all the way to give you the money. Yeah, all the way. There are honest people out there. I, I have had an experience where I mistakenly transferred money to someone else's account. And when I called the guy, the guy said, one chance. <laughs> Straight up. He said, Oga, you and I work for that day. <laughs> this money, I don't chop them. I go bring inside my account. <laughs> and that was it. Okay. Okay, someone else there. Praise God. Hallelujah. This, this was not me, but someone I know. Okay, he does business with NAVDAC, and his boss will send him money. So when he gets to the NAVDAC office, he will negotiate, and like, let's say they give him 25000 He will negotiate, and it will be 15K. So the money accumulated close to 2 million naira, just like that. And it dawned on him that that extra money is not his money. So he went back to his boss. I told his boss that, you know, uh, that 25000 they've been paying, 15 k I've been paying only, and the money has accumulated to a million plus, wow. and I want to pay you back the money. Wow. And the boss was really surprised that there's wow. someone like that who can do such an honest wow. thing. Wow. Even though he had spent part from the money, he said, okay. sir, but I can pay you back the money. And the boss said, no, 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 no. The, the one you money. have, just bring it back which was very honest. Yes, but he spent some of the money. Okay, but let's, I mean, that's still, that's an amazing encouragement. Let's just clap our hands for the Lord. Okay, Pastor Lamide, and then we'll shoot. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so this I experience on a very regular basis with my driver. I think he's the most honest Nigerian. Oh, one of the man. most, let me not say the most, is one he, of the most. Is he, in this, is he in the auditorium right now? He's not here. Wow, so, giving happened. him a standing ovation. <laughs> On a very regular basis. Now, something happened about two weeks ago. We were trying to park um, on the side of the road, and, and Okada just came all of a sudden and bumped into us. Of course, it was Okada's fault, but he fell down and then um, had a wound on the finger. So I said, well, reprimanded him, but I said, well, I'll still help you. Go to the pharmacy, do this, fix your Okada. But I couldn't wait. I went to the office, and I gave my driver the money. I said, well, go back to that Okada guy and give him this money, you know, for, as I promised. And he went, and I told him to go home from there. He went to the Okada guy, went home, came back the following day, I said, well, when he got there, the guy had left. If the guy had not left, there was no way I would have been able to tell. But on a regular basis, and what really impressed me, sorry, was that a few days later, he told me he didn't have enough money to, for the son to buy his jam form. And I'm like... If this guy had been cheating me, it would have been so easy for him to get 6K or 5K to buy jam from. So I didn't even think twice about it because on a very regular basis, you know, I can trust him. He always comes back with the change. Hallelujah. Lesson from that is that honesty pays. So she says, you know, for all your honesty, yeah, buy your son a jam from. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we'll be looking, looking, I mean, we'll be delving deeper into um, such topic tonight. But before we do, let's read our anchor scripture, which is Proverbs 11 from verse 1 to 31. It says, the Lord detests the use of honest skills, but he delights in accurate weights. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. 
Honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Riches won't help on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. The godly are directed by honesty. The wicked fall beneath the load of their sin. The godliness of people, of good people, rescues them. The ambition of treacherous people traps them. When the wicked die, their hopes die with them. But, they, but for they rely on their own feeble strength. The godly are rescued from trouble and it falls on the wicked instead. Substitution. With their words, the godless destroy their friends. But knowledge would rescue the righteous. The whole city celebrates when godly people succeed. They shout for joy. When the wicked die, they shout for joy. That is, upright citizens are good for, upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper. But the talk of the wicked tears it apart. It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There's safety in having many advisors. There's danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It is safer not to guarantee another person's debt. A gracious woman gains respect, but ruthless men gain only wealth. Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Evil people get rich for the moment, but the reward of the godly will last Godly people find life. Evil people find death. The Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. Evil people will surely be punished, but the wicked of the godly will go free. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. The, <laughs> someone say, hey. The godly can look forward to a reward. Why the wicked can expect only judgment. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Amen. People curse those who hoard their grain. But they bless the one who sells in time of need. If you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, <laughs> it will find you. Trust in your money, and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. Those who bring trouble on their families inherit the wind. The fool will be a servant to the wise. The seeds of the good, the seeds of good deeds, become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. Another person says, a wise person wins souls. If the righteous are rewarded here on earth, what will happen? To the wicked sinners. May the God bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, the first, um, di- we're diving in straight away. The first couple of verses um, we want to look at that will give us a theme for tonight's um, teaching is verse 1, 3, 5, 6, and 20. We group them together. And it reads, it says, the Lord detests the use of dishonest skills. 
but he delights in accurate ways. Honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. The godly are directed by honesty. The wicked fall beneath their load of sin. The godliness of good people rescues them from the ambition of treacherous people. Well, the godliness of good people rescues them and the ambition of treacherous people traps them. The Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. So, verse 1 implies that God detests the lack of integrity. Because he says that God detests, it's an abomination for one to use uneven scales for measurement. God detests the lack of integrity. God detests dishonesty. He cannot stand inequity. God cannot stand inequity. It is extremely offensive to God when people lack integrity. So, from, from these scriptures, if, if I was, if were to give this teaching a title, we will call it integrity. Because that is basically, I mean, that is most of what we'll be talking on, uh, on tonight. Integrity. Everybody say integrity. Integrity. The scripture tells us in Proverbs 16, Proverbs 16, verse 11, Proverbs 16, 11, can you put up that scripture? It says, the Lord de- demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. God demands accurate scales. He demands accurate scales and balances and he's the one that sets the standards for fairness. So, like we wrote there, God demands equity. It's a must. In functioning with God, it's a must that you and I must be equitable. In our relationship, God demands equity. As a father, God demands equity. As a mother, God demands equity. As a husband, God demands equity. As a wife, God demands equity. God expects you not to cheat on your spouse. Husbands, don't cheat on your wife. Wife, don't cheat on your husbands. And cheating is not just only in the flesh. Don't cheat on them. I mean, that's that's not what we're going to, but cheating, there's a huge spectrum of cheating. Be honest with your children. Be equitable with them. Treat them fairly. Because the scripture often tells us that when we treat our children unfairly, we drive them into the arm of sin. In your business, especially in the marketplace, God demands equity. In the marketplace, fair skills, fairness, he sets the standards. And as his children, we ought to follow the standards. In ministry, oh yes, God demands equity. God asks and expects us as ministers of the gospel to be fair at all times. So, in all we do, we must be fair. Everybody say, we must be fair. We must be fair. So, remember that righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of the Most High God. That's what the scripture tells us. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So, we believers are rest assured that if righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne, then we are extensions of his throne, extension of his kingdom here on earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. 
by, that means that we are extension of the kingdom of God here on earth. Why is that important to us? Two reasons. Two reasons. Number one, this is big deal to us because every aspect of our lives where we have been treated in inequity, God will judge those aspects. Because why? Our lives, our businesses, our homes are an extension of his kingdom. So if our homes, our lives, our businesses, our relationships are an extension of his kingdom, it means that any area of your life where you have been treated with dishonesty or inequity, you don't have to fight. God himself will judge that situation. He will fight for you. The scripture says in Psalm 103 verse, verse 6 that he gives justice to all who are treated unfairly. God gives you justice. If you have been treated unfairly at work, if you have been treated unfairly in a relationship, you are a candidate for his justice. He's waiting to give you justice. The challenge is that most times we ask God, you know what, Oga, take the back seat. I got this. I need to fight this battle myself. But you can't fight better than God. You can never fight better than God. So in any area of your life, you feel you are treated unjustly. You are, in fact, you should be happy. The Bible says that we should rejoice when we go through circumstances like that. Be happy. Because God is on your case. Everybody say God is on your case. Number two, and this is the double-edged sword. If our lives, our homes, our business, our relationships are built on the foundation of righteousness and extension of his kingdom, then, sorry, if our lives and our homes are built on a foundation of unrighteousness, when our lives ought to be an extension of his kingdom, that means if there's inequity, in our lives. Guess what? God will set us straight. He will set you straight. They call it what? Baptism of fire in some cases. He will certainly set you straight because your life as a believer ought to be an extension of the kingdom. In fact, in Proverbs 16, verse 12, the scripture tells us, it throws more light on this. It says that it is an abomination to kings to do evil. For the throne is established by righteousness. It is an abomination. The word king in that scripture is derived from the Hebrew word pronounced malak, um, but spelled malak, M-A-L-A-K. But it's pronounced malak. It, the, the, the word means uh, royalty. It means to reign. The word means to, to take a place of high counsel as a king or as a queen. As a king or as a queen. So, are you royalty? Yes, you are royalty because the Bible says that you're a royal priesthood. Are you, are you more like, yes, you are. So, are you in a position set to reign or, or you're already reigning? Yes, you're already reigning. And if you're not in the faith, if you're not dedicated and committed, committed your life to Christ and you're here today, you have an opportunity to become part of that fold so that you can begin to reign as well. But what are we trying to say? If you are in a position of influence, if you are reigning as a boss, a place where you can give counsel, as a king, so to speak. The scripture tells, you, tells us that it's an abomination for you to deal with inequity from that position. Dealing with your subordinates, dealing with your colleagues that at work and you are at a higher level, a husband dealing with a wife as a king of your home, it is an abomination for you to treat your wife with inequity. That's what the scripture says. It is an abomination. I remember years ago, you know, I went um, 
a group of some of us went to um, went for a meeting with pastor i mean took us out for sort of like a leadership meeting there were lots of wonderful teachers there you know and uh, amongst them was um reverend um otabio and he was sharing he was sharing a lot and he said something that stuck with me from that day and you know i just i've not been able to shake it off you know concerning leaders he, he said that you know as a leader when you fall from a stool right if you fall from a stool if you can picture that just a stool a stool usually this high right chances that you will bruise your knee or you bruise your your elbow right you know stuff like that it's not it's not i mean you can recover from that but imagine if you fall from a ladder the fall from a stool and the fall from a ladder are two different kinds of fall the ladder can kill you you can break your neck so it can lead to either casualty or a fatality. You can, be ad- you can be admitted to the hospital. So he was saying that that is why many leaders don't recover. It's not really necessarily because God did not forgive them. It's just that because they had climbed a high position when they fell, it was the impact of the fall. And that impact is societal. That impact sometimes is even their own, their own personality. Recovering from that is usually a struggle. So what's the lesson to learn from there? If you are, if you are aspiring to climb higher, Begin to build the capacity for equity right now. Begin to tell yourself that you cannot mess around with dishonesty. You cannot mess around with dishonesty. So if you're, if you're writing, you fill out that part. It says the extent to which you aspire for promotion should be directly proportional to the honesty you imbibe. It's on the screen. The extent to which you aspire for promotion should be directly proportional to the honesty you imbibe. Should be directly proportional to the honesty that we imbibe. So are you hungry for promotion? Take heed. Begin to build capacity right now. Because promotion will certainly come. Sooner than you know it, it will come. But will you be ready when it comes? Would you have the moral soundness to sustain that promotion? Everybody say integrity. So by definition, what is integrity? I did a bit of research. I'm just going to give you the dictionary.com meaning of integrity. There are enough margins for you to write out. Because sometimes we feel like we know the meaning of a word. But when you write it out and you you know, ruminate on it, it, it brings more light, of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, in, in, integrity is the adherence to moral and ethical principles. It's on the screen. It's the adherence to moral and ethical principles. It is soundness of moral character. It is honesty. Another word for integrity is honesty. It is equity. It is fairness. It is adherence to ethical principles and soundness of moral character. It is the state of being whole. When you are whole, undiminished, you are full of integrity. It is doing the right thing when no one is looking. Even when the choice isn't that easy. When it seems like the odds are against you. Keep up with the right thing. That is integrity. In engineering... Integrity is when, um, I mean, co- when concerning bu- building structures, it is when the, co- it is the condition of, 
of a property or a structure being sound. For example, if you take out the beams or the pillars from a structure, the, the, the uh, architect will tell you that you have compromised the integrity of that structure. So if you can picture your life as a structure, what are the pillars that hold your life together? If those pillars are taken out, then the integrity of your structure has been compromised. In literature, integrity refers to the soundness of the written material, the soundness, the integrity of a novel, integrity of a book. And in, for the techie guys, integrity is the soundness of data. You know, those guys that work with data. Integrity is the soundness, that the data is void of corruption. Okay, so uh, I came up with something I like to call the classes of integrity. It is not, um, it is original because I had to put thoughts together. There. I mean, just look at the parameters of life and then group them, group different things together. But basically, it's, it's supposed to touch on the different areas of our lives where we should have a structure for integrity. That is that um, cons- consistency of content when it concerns integrity. Num- number one is the physical integrity, if you're writing, physical integrity. What do we mean by physical in- integrity? It's when, when you consider, I mean, that which obtains under our moral code, our moral code in society. For example, uh, should, should I wear skirts and high heels to church tomorrow or should I be wearing skirts and high heels to be teaching tonight? I'm sure some people would have been giving me some stickers and looking at me funny. Because our, our physical, our ethical code, as it pertains to physical et- uh, integrity, doesn't support that. Or should I begin to take um, hormonal drugs tonight because I want to become Chris Jenner, you know? <laughs> so that is what we mean by the physical integrity. Number two, relational integrity. This speaks of our various connections, how we relate with those connections. That is our friendships, our marriages, as parents, as children, as colleagues. Sometimes, you know, I, I put colleague, but I, I put another group that broadly classifies or, or digs deeper into, into um, the professional relationship. So, but as brethren in church, as brethren, your sister, your brother sitting next to you, this, those relationships can be classified under relational, I mean, should have relational integrity. But the big question is, in those relationships, how are we, how are you? Are you manipulative? Are you gentle? Are you honest in that relationship? Are you brutal in that relationship? Like Pastor will always say, if you want to know a man, go to his house, ask the maid, are you madam? Are you a You can understand whether they have integrity or not because those guys see them 100% of the time when we don't see them in church. Some people have integrity, integrity for different structures. There's church integrity, integrity for work, integrity for relationships. So they are almost like schizophrenic, seven different people at, at the same time. You know? Okay. Number three, emotional integrity. These are ethical principles, you know, as it concerns our feelings, feelings of joy, your feelings of sorrow, your feelings of hatred, your feelings of love and anger. Can you be trusted to maintain the same concept of consistency when you are emotional? Can you be trusted to maintain the same concept? Those are the thoughts. When you are emotional, you know, as we deal with our different emotions, can you be trusted? 
A good example for this will be Jesus in Matthew 14, from verse 12. He tells us that, you know, when Jesus was just told, I'll paraphrase it real quickly, his cousin had been murdered by Herod. That's John the Baptist. You know, pastor has taught us when we're taking the book of John, we tied, I mean, the relationship of uh, Jesus and John the Baptist as cousins. His cousin had just been murdered. And Jesus isolated himself, went to a remote place so he could be by himself. By my thinking, perhaps for him, for him to mourn, to mourn properly. Imagine the cousin, mothers, they must have grown up together, played together. Because John must have been just maybe a few years older than Jesus, but the same age group. He went to mourn. He was there, generally on his own. The people heard that he was there, they went, ran to meet him. And when the, the Bible says when he saw them, Jesus had compassion on them and began to heal them. Imagine that. It's easy to gloss over that. But many of us will not take it. This, the first thing that comes to my mind, these guys are so insensitive. They just kill my cousin here. And you're coming to, to come and heal what? Heal what? Jesus didn't throw a fit. He didn't say these guys are very, I mean, they, they don't even have any human sympathy. Jesus was able to keep his emotional integrity. He maintained the concept of consistency the same way. And the Bible said, with compassion, he began to heal them. Hallelujah. Number four. Professional, or you can say occupational. That's why I said I distinguished the one from relational to professional. We created a, a separate class for professional. Professional, occupational um, integrity. Again, the concept of consistency is required here. Can you be counted on? Or counted upon when no one is watching. Are you a pastor in church? Or are you a brethren or, you know, brother in church? But in the office, <laughs> you are the one that's the, that the treasurer for the bribery. You know, the treasurer, there's a treasurer for the bribery, the one that keeps the money that the office generates. Are you the one that, you know, is able to add the extra figure to inflate the contract? Are you the one that says, you know what, this will... We will rig this election because I asked myself a question. Um, politicians use people. Who did the politicians use in this last election to carry out their acts? It is people. They are, they are fa mostly found in two places, the church and the mosque. Because Nigeria is predominantly, predominantly um, a mix of two major religions, the, the Christians and the Muslims. But they go to church, they listen. They go to the other place, they listen. So even when the odds are against us and the right choice, choice is not easy, do we maintain that concept of consistency as it relates to honesty or integrity? Number five, spiritual integrity. So spiritual integrity is beyond the material values, the material pursuits. It is the part that relates directly with our maker, the almighty God. And it relates to our stance in that relationship. How are we standing in that relationship? Can we be referred to as upright? Can God look at you and say, you know what? That's my child. She's blameless. Because God calls people blameless. He, called, he told Moses, uh, um, Abraham, walk before me blameless. Guess what? He called Job blameless. In Job 1.1, he told he told. He told Satan that have you seen my servant Job? But the scripture says a man named Job lived in Hors, 
he was a man of what? A man of what? Come on, are we together? He was a man of what? Integrity. He was decent. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. Four things there. He was a man of integrity. He was decent. He had the fear. He maintained the concept of consistency. He had the fear of God. Whether God was watching or not, Job was consistent in integrity. He had fear. If you told Job, you know what? You have an assignment in church. He's not waiting for his church leader to come and whip him to wake up. He's there because he was afraid of God. And then he stayed away from evil, every kind of evil. So, we deliberately left out the spiritual integrity as the fifth one, because everything, the other four, the, the relational, the physical, the emotional, the professional, occupational integrity, they build from this bedrock. If this one is missing, if, this, if you miss this one, if you miss this one, then the others cannot really stand. It is like that pillar, that beam we're talking about, if you take it away, the others come crashing down. So what are we saying? If we are to possess soundness of moral character, if we are to possess the, the wholeness from the definition of, that, that remains undiminished, if we are to profess, uh, possess physical wholeness, spiritual and moral wholeness, um, um, relational wholeness, professional wholeness, we must remain spiritually upright. Every one of us must remain spiritually upright. Whether someone is watching and some, or someone is not watching. I personally, in, in trying to prepare for this message, <laughs> the Lord has changed my life. Because, you know, the Holy Spirit just continues to on earth things that you don't even know. You know, it's like, <laughs> wouldn't you allow me rest on earth things? And I pray that my life, even in your life too, will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in fact, Job remained so upright after his attack... Remember the scripture we just read was at the beginning. After Job's attack, his wife was saying to him in Job 2, Oga, won't you curse God and die? You're still trying to maintain this, your integrity. What kind of year, year integrity is this? You are suffering. Your children have died. You have lost all your wealth. Now see your body, better everywhere. So, you're still forming God will deliver me. Curse this God and die. What did Job say to her? Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. You talk like a foolish woman. Should we not accept, should we accept only good things from the hand of the Lord? Should we, should we not accept anything bad? So in all this, the Bible says that Job said nothing wrong. What that means is that, in, in fact, in Job chapter 1 verse 22, he said Job was found equitable. There was nothing, there was no question in his character regardless of what he was going through. Job said nothing wrong. So you are here, perhaps your health is accusing you like Job's wife, saying look at you. You are sick. Look at that um, mole um, um, growth in your body. You are still forming. God will heal me. You go, go to the mirror and you speak to it and say, hey, hey, mole, I got news for you. My body is the temple of the Most High God. And because I carry the Holy Spirit, Yamayama cannot dwell in this place. Be gone. That was what, that's what Job was saying to his wife. Foolish. Shut up. Have a conversation with yourself. Have a conversation with yourself. You are made to create wealth. When the year of creates, you speak the word of the Most High God. That you will create wealth. You speak. It's the Lord that gives me power. Just look at yourself in the mirror. I remember when Pastor told us to look at ourselves in the mirror. The first time I tried it, I, I blinked. I, 
look into your own eyes and talk to yourself. I have received the power to create wealth. As you prophesy, God will bring it to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. So Job maintained his integrity in spite of his misfortune. Now let's look at the benefits of integrity. Just run through them. Number one, integrity protects us. Integrity protects us. Psalm 25 verse 21 says, Me integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. Because of the way the world is structured today, there are people that will certainly just hate us for no reason. They don't have any reason to hate us. They just don't want to see us succeed. They are angry that we're getting by. They don't, know, they, don't, they don't have an apology to hate you for no reason. You have no excuse for it. The Bible says here that the Lord protects us from such people. The Bible, the Bible reminds us in, you know, in the, I like the, 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 the Living Bible translation. It says, assign me godliness and what? Integrity there again. As my bodyguard, let them be my bodyguards that roll with me. For I expect you to protect me from such people. From people that just don't want me to succeed for any reason. Why? Because I am a Christian. Because Jesus loves me. Number two, benefit of integrity. Security or assurance. Proverbs 10.9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever follows perverse ways will be found out. When you walk in integrity, you walk in security. You walk securely. Do you ever doubt whether you are doing the right thing, making the, the right moves as a Christian? How my mates are getting by? Look, I've been serving God. This scripture is telling you, rest assured, you're on the right track. When we live and we lead that life of integrity, we have the assurance of who we are. We don't have to be afraid of being found out. You know, one of the first scriptures I learned as a Christian was, I mean, my paddy, my friend, Pastor Asuto used to tell me, because he became born again for me, was that the sinner run it when no one chased it. So I didn't even know the scripture. I just knew the word, because then I was a sinner. I was, run, I was running in it when no one was chasing me. I kept on running from different things. So he'd be saying to me, look at this man. The sinner run it when no one chased it. So, but when you, when you are in God, when you have the integrity in that relationship, you stand secure. You have nothing to run about. You are not worried about being found out. There's nothing to cover up. Nothing to cover up. You live a life of security because you tell the truth at all times. Your word is born. Your word can be trusted. Right? Right? <laughs> your word not born. <laughs> your word is born and can be trusted. Right? Amen. <laughs> when you falter, when you make a mistake, you fess up. You take responsibility and you move again. Because you have integrity. It was a mistake. It wasn't deliberate. Number three, benefit of integrity, guardians. Verse three of the scripture we read says, the integrity of the upright will guide them. Your integrity is what will guide you. Integrity keeps us on track as your guide. If you can imagine even a blind man that, you know, they hold his hands. That's how integrity can hold you. Even in parts where you do not even know what you are doing. As set your heart on integrity. And you'll be guided along the right paths. When it comes to decision making, integrity helps us make better decisions. Decisions that you will not be worried about afterward. Ah, did, I, did I make that decision properly? Why? Because you, you made it from a right, a good place. You made it in alignment with God. 
You're not uh, second-guessing or double-checking. Was that because it was in, from a good place in alignment with God? Praise God. So the closer we walk with Jesus, the more we grow to be like him. Thus, we'll be growing in integrity. The closer we walk with him, the more we grow to be like him. And when you do that, it means that you are, you are growing in integrity daily. Number four, benefit of great integrity is blessing, God's blessings. God's blessings. I automatically become a candidate for God's blessings when I walk in integrity. Psalm 119 verse 1, the God's Word version says, Blessed are those whose life have integrity. Blessed are those whose life have integrity. Those who follow the teachings of the Lord. Your life have integrity as you follow the teachings, the principles of the Lord. It's not about how you feel. It's not about how you feel or how the system, what's happening in the system. It's about what the Lord, the teachings of the Lord says concerning you. He says when you do this, you become a candidate of God's overflowing blessings. Blessed are they that live their lives in integrity. Number five. Number one, integrity brings protection. Number two, integrity brings what? Security and assurance. assurance. Number three, integrity brings... Number four, benefits, blessings, God's blessings. And number five, integrity transforms. It speaks well of your faith. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? Who do you see? When you make choices, does it reflect whose you are? You know, we first talked about who you are. Now we're talking whose you are. Will people see you and say, this guy is a son or a daughter of the Most High God? It transforms. And you can write under that. It says, integrity projects, that passage projects Jesus to those around us. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, And all of us with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are consistent, constantly transformed, being transformed into his very own image. Because we are, we are with him every day. We are sitting with him. We are learning, communing with him. He, are, are being transformed in his presence to be like him. So when we go out, people will say, ah, see Jesus. As in they see us and they see Jesus' work. Some people will never be able to read the Bible. But they'll be able to read your life and say, that thing that this or that person, this man or this woman is following... That's all I need to follow for eternity. Praise God. Number six, integrity rewards. David was saying in 1 Samuel 26 verse 23, the Lord rewards each man for his own integrity and loyalty. He was talking to Saul. Oh God, you're trying to kill me. You're trying to kill me now. But God is seeing me and you. He will reward us. He will reward us. It's tempting to believe that in the world we live now, there is no reward for honesty. It's very tempting because we see how the people that are dishonest sort of get by. They, are, you know, they seem to be making waves despite all their terrible actions and decisions. But you can borrow a leaf from David and be confident that God is watching us. He will vindicate me. He will reward us in the name of Jesus. So yeah, we see a man, David, that was, even though he was being taunted by his leader, his heart was set right. He remained extremely loyal, and God rewarded David in the long run. In our time, in the world we live now, 
the leader has barely even made a mistake before all the followers carry stone. Oh, yeah. Gossip about him. Criticize him. You know? And the reason why some of us are yet to be promoted to the palace is because the Lord knows that if you are promoted to the palace, you will uncover the secrets of your king. You will expose him. So God needs to groom you first. He needs to be sure that your heart, because you know why? He says, touch not, I'm anointed. I've come to realize that authority is constituted by God. So if you are going against authority, you are going against God. So he will not take you to that place because he doesn't want you to come and embarrass that man. He might be down, the man might be down today, but God is still doing his work in him. Until he's perfected, until he's complete, you do not have a right to touch that man. Praise God. And I would recommend a book called God's Armor Bearer by Terry Nance, and anyone that wants to read it. I remember reading that book years ago, volume one and volume two. Your life cannot be the same again about leadership when you read that book, especially leadership constituted by God, especially your pastor. Hallelujah. Number seven, benefit of integrity is legacy. Integrity ensures something you live generationally. It extends our, our generational influence. It guarantees legacy. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says that the righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in accord with his godly beliefs. How blessed is that man? And his children have an example to follow. His children have an example to follow. Integrity is contagious. Why? Because our little ones, they are watching. They watch what you do, what you say, how you act. They watch everything. They know the parents that have emotional integrity. They know the ones that have professional integrity. The one that says, tell, tell him, say, that is not home. That is not home. That is not home. And you are saying that my children will be taught of the Lord. <laughs> but, but the Bible says you should train up a child the way he will go. So that he will not depart from that, child, that, that path. You are abusing people in front of the child. You are saying my child will be taught of the Lord. <laughs> you know what you are doing? You are giving the child one more extra prayer points to pray when they get older. Unnecessary burden. Unnecessary burden. Hallelujah. So when we walk in integrity, it makes an influential impact on those who surround us and come after us. So the greatest legacy we can live is a life of integrity. Remember they used to tell us, good name is better than riches. Eh? Does this still work? <laughs> Everybody wants to be rich. This is by no means a life of perfection, though, but it is a life that speaks of uprightness, of honesty that our children can emulate. We'll just breeze through now, you know, because I'm the one with the mic. I have the authority to say, go and do homework. <laughs> okay. So we'll look at a few verses with the time that's left, and we'll call it a cutting for tonight. I hope, I hope someone has gotten the message. I felt that was what God... Because, like I said, he's been giving me slaps concerning integrity. Even errors you do not know. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. You, be, you, want, you want to argue. <laughs> you know, but something like you say, shh, they don't catch you. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, Proverbs 11, verse 4 and 28. The English Standard Version says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness, that is spiritual integrity. Remember, we class them. If you go, if you go through this entire scripture, what I want you to do when you get back home, go through the entire scripture. Try and class all the parts of the scriptures under those five classes of integrity. You will be able to do it. You will see it when you try it. 
So you can class this one under spiritual integrity. The riches do not profit in the rot, in, in the day of rot, but, but righteousness, spiritual integrity, delivers one from death. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. I learned this particular one firsthand, even before I became born again. Firsthand. And I'll tell you a quick story. Years ago, 10 years now, yeah, 10 years in August. 10 years in August. My older brother was shot. And he, he, he lived eight days before he, he passed. And in those eight days, you know, I remember two months before that time saying to his wife that, you know what, money answered all. In fact, we're saying to each other, which not that we're not boasting, but we're kind of confident that, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, you know, no shaking feeling, no shaking, no that feeling, no shaking. There's money, there's word. So when this man was shot, for the eight days, we, we threw money, the weight of money. Because then, remember, righteousness is what delivers. I wasn't, I wasn't under the covering. If I know what I know today, but of course God knows all things. We threw money at it. I guess God was just watching us. They won. And in eight days, we had to hire a hair ambulance, you know, the HVAC, those air ambulance from um, Barcelona to come evacuate him so that we could get treatment outside the country. The night the ambulance came, that, the morning after he, he passed on, and we had paid for the ambulance, the air ambulance. It wasn't, of course, you know that that's not small money. What I learned there was that <laughs> this scripture is only righteousness that delivers in the day of wrath. Only righteousness. All the money in the world you throw at it, nothing. If God says, it's only the righteous, it's only a man that has influence with heaven that can say, God is a lie. I challenge this thing to not stand. We watch the free gifts drama in this place, right? Challenge heaven with the word of God. Take an influence and it will not stand. You see, this scripture also tells us that, in fact, when it comes to judgment day, it's only your relationship, only the spiritual integrity you have with Jesus. When you come under the blood of Jesus, your relationship with him, the Bible says that because you have righteousness in Christ Jesus, it's only that that will get you access into heaven. All the money you have in the world. In fact, the Bible said it was saying to some people that depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Everybody says spiritual integrity. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for, we, for, your, for our sake, God made Jesus to be seen, so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. Amen. Any questions so far? Any questions? Okay. So righteousness is not on our own terms. It's on God's terms. Yet it is given... But we must activate it by the blood of Jesus. Someone said, and I found this very interesting, that, and you can write it, it says repentance and forgiveness is like a bath. It's like taking a bath. Repentance and forgiveness is like taking a bath. But righteousness is like putting on clean clothes. <laughs> and who gives us that clean clothes? Think about it. If you're invited to a ball with the Queen of England, and then the invite specifically says um, it's a black tie event. Wear tux. What would you wear? Eh? 
Someone say Agbada as Africans. I'll wear my Agbada John. <laughs> they will so bounce you. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's for real. I witnessed the, the um, wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan, right? And there were a lot of um, musical artists there, stars from Hollywood. I did not see any of them wear, sack their pants like they do. None of, not one of them. And those guys were there. Or any of the women dressed scantily like wearing handkerchief. None. All of them were fully clad for the event. That is just a, an earthly queen. She, she clad them by an invite. Imagine your heavenly father. How do you come before him? You must be clad. You must be dressed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Who, who clothed you? God himself wore you the garments of salvation. He didn't stop there. Then he covered you with the robe of righteousness. <laughs> with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and bride adorns herself with jewels. So righteousness is not of our own terms. It must be according to God's own terms. Hallelujah. I think we have time for one more. We'll breeze through one more. Verse 7. Let's take verse 7. Or you do verse 7. Verse, like I said, just appropriate them in different, in, in different um, integrity portions. Let's take verse 23 and um, 31, even as we draw a close this evening. I call it a reward for spiritual integrity. Proverbs 11, 23, and 31. Can you skip, please, CMM? Skip this to verse 23 and 31, please. I have it here. Let me read it. Why CMM brings us up to speed. It says, The godly can look forward to a reward, while the wicked can expect only judgment. If the righteous are rewarded here on earth, what will happen to the wicked sinners? If the righteous are rewarded here on earth, what will happen to wicked sinners? Jesus was saying to us in John 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you all this so that you will have peace here on earth. Even though you will have many trials, he was saying, take heart, rejoice, for I have overcome the world. What this means to us is that the righteousness that, you know, righteousness goes I mean, temptation comes even to the righteous. That you are righteous doesn't mean that you are immune from temptations. So here on earth, you will have, you will have temptations. But Jesus is saying that he has overcome. He has overcome on your behalf. He has overcome on your behalf. So think about that. If you that are in righteousness with Christ, is, is, you have his covering, can go through these temptations... Think about them that are outside Christ. Put up that scripture. Last one. Think about them that are outside Christ. If the righteous are rewarded here on earth, what will happen to the wicked sinner? The one that is outside of Christ. What will become of the one wallowing in sin? What will become of the one that has an unrepentant heart? The one that knows that he, has, he must have spiritual integrity, spiritual clout with God, but refuses to follow. 
the one that, 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 that is in guilt, condemnation, what would become of that one? Because they refuse to change their ways and align with Christ. What would become of them? Let's bow our heads. Bow our hearts. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.